0: The Paulding County Republican women meet regularly for lunch. This week, roughly 80 of them gathered at a golf club in Ackworth, and salad was on the menu. So I'm not just what is it? Is some vegetables? yeah, it's a big salad bar. Nancy Hollingshead is a longtime volunteer. And you've been part of the Paulding County Republican Party for how long? Over 25 years. So You've seen it all. I've seen it all. I really have. I've seen it all.
1: Including the rise of one of the most controversial members of Congress in the country, Marjorie
2: Taylor Greene, who represents this district. Green has deployed violent rhetoric against her political opponents and is a prominent spreader of false claims about the 2020 election.
1: She's been kicked off committees in Congress, and now she's facing challengers from both parties, including Republican Jennifer Strahan.
0: And there are too many serious issues at stake to not have a serious representative who's here to to serve, right, not just be a social media celebrity. Even though her opponents have raised a lot of money, Green is the favorite by far. I met Lisa at the front desk checking in guests. I like that she speaks for us. She's not afraid to stand up to anybody in Washington, which is nice.
2: An hour and a half away in Atlanta, a small group of voters is challenging Marjorie Taylor Green's candidacy in court. Marjorie Taylor
1: Green fomented an insurrection on January 6th. She's a danger in office to the entire republic. That's Ron Fine. He's a lawyer for the nonprofit that brought this challenge called Free Speech for People. They say Green can't be on the ballot because the Constitution forbids any member of Congress who supported or engaged in an insurrection
2: from serving in office. Green says the legal challenge is a political stunt.
0: Oh, it's very simple. This whole thing is a lie. It's a scam. It's been created.
2: That from an interview from WTVC in Chattanooga.
0: Well, they're literally trying to rip my my name off the ballot and steal my voters, my district's right, their free speech. Will challenges at the ballot box and in court against Georgia's most controversial congresswoman succeed? I'm Susanna Capaluto politics editor at WABE in Atlanta.
1: I'm Raul Bally, politics reporter for WABE. I'm Sam Greenglass, also a WABE politics reporter. Our co-host Emma Hurt is away this week. And this is Georgia Votes 2022, a podcast about the 2022 midterms from WABE. <laughs>
0: I vote because it's a privilege. I vote because I want to make an and impact. I vote on my because I community. want leaders who care voting about my future. Voting is
1: the gift of so freedom. So voting
0: matters to me because I believe there is value in my voice.
1: Susanna, you went to that Republican women's luncheon in Ackworth this week. Uh, did you try the salad?
0: I didn't eat, but the salads looked good. They had a nice variety of all kinds of, like you know, there was a potato salad and some kind of noodle salad, and I think a Waldorf salad, mm, which very lunchy, very women's lunchy. It was great. But you know, these days, these political women's groups all across the state, they get a lot of visits from candidates, and really a front row seat to the campaigns. And on this day, when I went, Jennifer Strahan was there. She's a Republican who's challenging Marjorie Taylor Greene. She does think there's an opening for someone like her with Republicans in the district who want representation and compromise. But she definitely has an uphill battle here. There are also, uh, I think, three or four more Republicans running to try to unseat Greene in the primary.
1: Okay, so beside the salads, um, did you meet anyone interesting in Ackworth?
0: I spoke to one voter at the luncheon. We heard her at the top, Nancy Holland Chad. And, uh, yeah, she's been with the party for a long time, really knows the local sentiment. And when I asked her about all the controversies around Marjorie Taylor Greene, She had a really good assessment about Green's popularity in the district. I know a lot of people are tired of just Washington and that's why they went after her. But she's my congresswoman and so I do support her and I don't like what they're doing to her in Washington. I don't think anybody does and I wish they'd really stop because that really does galvanize people more towards her the more the Democrats do it, you know. And so if we did want to take her and put somebody else on there, it's it's gonna make it even harder to do. And the other thing she said that will also help Marjorie Taylor Greene is this recent challenge to whether she is even eligible to run. I do not like them trying to keep Marjorie off the ballot. I think that's wrong, too. And that, that's something that the citizens here don't like. And they will go even more towards it. They just don't understand. They're they're galvanizing her district more to her. So controversy is always good for Marjorie Taylor Greene. People feel protective of her and Sam, you've been reporting on this challenge to her eligibility. Is this really something that can happen?
1: Maybe, probably not. Uh, At least what happens next is Green is going to testify in front of a special law judge today Friday, and that judge will then take in all of the legal facts and make a recommendation. That recommendation then gets kicked up to the secretary of state who gets to make a final call. However, that call isn't really final. This decision, no matter what, is likely to be appealed up to an even higher court. There's not a lot of time left for all of this to play out. I mean, remember, the primary election is May 24th. Green is already on the ballot for that primary. Even if she does stay on the ballot she is going to end up testifying under oath on friday and potentially in higher courts moving forward about her alleged role in the january 6th riot that's something that the public will certainly be interested in Um, her constituents democrats and republicans who are investigating the insurrection in congress so again Maybe this isn't going to have a huge effect on whether she is elected to Congress again. But for people who are very interested about what happened in the days leading up to January 6th and who was involved in it, there could be some interesting information coming out as part of this process.
0: All right. Well, also this week, we found out that one of Green's Democratic opponents amassed a good bit of money. But this is not a good district for Democrats at all, is it, Raul?
2: I think that's the reality You know, when 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 people talk to me about the numbers that are being raised, and and some of them are incredible by Democrats, is the district is Republican. So the old 14th district is 75 percent Republican. Yes, they did draw in some of Cobb County, Austell, Powder Springs that came out of David Scott's district. But the district is still 69 percent Republican. So the numbers are really against Democrats. And and yes, again, incredible amount of money being raised. But the challenge to Marjorie Taylor Greene is in the Republican primary.
1: And I think we should know, too, that this district is actually one of the most red in the whole country. I think it voted for Trump by almost 50 points in 2020. And no matter how much money these candidates get, I think one of the leading Democratic contenders, Marcus Flowers, has raised over seven million dollars. That might not matter very much. I mean, something we saw in recent elections where Democrats who are looking to flip seats, whether it's the Senate or the House, raise boku amounts of money and it still doesn't translate into a victory on Election Day. You can only overcome so much with money.
2: Mm-hmm. So Donald Trump won the 14th Congressional with 74 percent of the vote. It would be around 69 percent of the vote with a newly drawn district. So this is a strongly Republican district. It's also more white than a lot of the rest of Georgia. Here are the numbers. It it is 68% white. It is 14% black. It is also 13% Hispanic, remember, because the Dalton and the Mills there. And there are also a significant number of educated voters who work in Chattanooga but live in North Georgia. Mm
1: -hmm. Which is why we had at the top of the show Marjorie Taylor Greene doing an interview with a Chattanooga television station.
0: Let's leave the 14th District and head east, where the Rivian electric vehicle plant is becoming a surprise campaign issue. This is the new development that Governor Brian Kemp has lured to Georgia with the promise of big economic incentive packages. For Kemp, this is a major job creator and could make Georgia a player in the electric car industry, but former Senator David Perdue is using it against him. Raul, what's his argument here?
2: So on the campaign trail... David Perdue is, is making a two-fold argument. First of all, the lack of community involvement, which which we'll talk about here in a minute from the from the first Rivian hearing, that the people, especially in Morgan County, but also in, in Walton, and Jasper and Newton, feel like this was just dropped right on top of them. The other argument that he's making is is one of those Republican boogeymen, George Soros. George Soros is an investor, a partial investor in Rivian. And so, you know, George Soros is a is a great boogeyman and he's connecting those two, making the argument that the state of Georgia in that incentive package, we don't have the details on it, is giving money to George Soros.
1: And you say Republican boogeyman because George Soros is a major Democratic donor. He's also Jewish. And there's this kind of trope that gets put out about him that ties you know, him to globalist or elitist people who are dangling the purse strings to, you know, manipulate policy in our country. So this is a trope that we see trotted out by right-wing folks, both in the United States and abroad in a place like Hungary, which is led by a a far-right Prime Minister, Viktor Orban.
0: And Raoul,
2: you went to a public hearing in Monroe this week. Set the scene for us. So, to set the scene. I want to go back a little. You know, the big Rivian announcement was kind of first. We started first hearing about it in November, December. The governor makes this big announcement right next to the state capitol. It's got the big Rivian trucks. The plant, you know, is proposed to be built between Atlanta and Augusta uh, in the area of Morgan and Walton counties, right on that line. And then in February, we were starting to hear, you know, the local governments getting a lot of flack about this. So the state of Georgia stepped in and took over the zoning and planning process. So What happened on Monday was the first of those state hearings. And it was held at Athens, Tech and Monroe, uh, about 70 people in there and, and just about every single one of them uh, was there to be against it. What underlined everything was the frustration of Local people, they feel like this was just dropped on them. It was no local input. Here it is. And one of the people who spoke out was Pam Jones, who, who lives in Rutledge. And she just, she, you'll hear, she talked about how she found out about it back in December.
0: The first we heard of this, thanks to y'all or whoever, was in the end of December, when I was sitting at home, a nurse recovering from long haul COVID, and I was sitting at home and I saw my governor get on TV and say, Rivian, 2,000 acre plant is coming to Rutledge, Georgia and it's
2: a done deal. So you heard those final words from her, it's a done deal. And that, that is the other big thing that I got from people there. They feel like this is a done deal, that these hearings are for show. There could be a few changes, but that's kind of the vibe And and so What's important here is David Perdue is trying to jump on this. Here's the question that I keep asking. Is this going to change just a handful of votes in that area? And that's still important because with Governor Kemp trying to stay above 50%, he can't afford to lose too many votes. I mean, Walton County is a Republican-rich area of voters. But the real question is how many votes could you lose there And can David Perdue make this a bigger argument around the state, or will people really care about Rivian? That's the big question when you talk about the campaign. And we should
1: say 50% because in order to avoid a runoff contest later in June, a candidate needs to hit that 50% threshold.
0: And I would like to just say one reason there couldn't have been anything prior to this announcement is because Georgia lawmakers passed a law where any economic development can be completely happening behind the scenes without public scrutiny, any development with economic development is not subject to open records at all. So this idea of this was dropped on us, there is no other choice, no other way to do these large developments.
1: And just to zoom out here for a second, I wanna dive in a little bit more to what Raul was saying about, is this something that's resonant just in these communities or statewide? I mean, Raul, what do you think are the broader themes that you could pull out of a very specific local debate like Rivian? Is it like elitist insider policymakers who are making decisions to benefit business interests and not, you know, small communities? Like what is the bigger theme that Purdue is trying to pull out here?
2: So in the Walton County GOP meeting a couple of weeks ago when I saw David Purdue. On the campaign trail, he he was almost making a local control argument, of, you know, you're you're not letting the locals make these decisions, whether it's Rivian or whether it's Buckhead City. The, it, it, he actually did those back to back in his stump speech in in Walton County. It is to me almost this this interesting combination of big tech, big business, and big government. Almost he's trying he's almost trying to combine those three and saying look, you know, Brian Kemp is part of big government, big tech and big business and and playing that cards. And I think
1: that's interesting, too, you know, as we talk about why all of this matters is it gets to some of this bigger debate within the Republican Party right now, which used to be, you know, a bastion of pro-business party. And since President Trump and candidates like him, there's been this new more prominent populist streak in the party and that is exactly the camp that David Perdue is trying to carve off as he faces Brian Kemp in this primary.
2: Because in the end for the years you and me have been here Susanna yes there's always been the ideological win of of the party the pro-business party part of the party and then a little bit of the populist but in the end they all kinda came together but now in a state where Every vote is going to matter, especially in November. And that's part of the argument that Purdue is making, is I can put everyone back together in November and Brian Kemp can't. That, that is the bigger argument. Sam is absolutely on point, is, is can these factions all be kind of clayed back together in November? Well, we'll
0: keep watching the Rivian element in this campaign. This is a good time to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about a voter registration controversy. I'm Susanna Capaluto, and this is Georgia Votes 2022.
2: At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbankcom slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
0: Welcome back to Georgia Votes 2022 today with Rahul Bali and Sam Greenglass. So Sam, this week, Mark Nisi with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution did this great data reporting on the Department of Driver Safety and he found out that the number of voters who registered to vote when they get their driver's license dropped by half over the prior year. Now, Georgia has automatic voter registration, so when you apply for a license or renew a license, you automatically register to vote or your voter address is updated unless you opt out. Now, the department kinda said, well, people must have just decided they wanna opt out of registering to vote. Sam, do we know if that is actually true?
1: So this was kind of a mystery, but it seemed like something fishy was probably going on. I mean, it was a pretty significant drop-off that happened at one specific point in the year. And it looks like it might have come down to some design changes on the website. Uh, You had this very smart idea to ask the Department of Driver Services what their website looked like before changes were made to the back end of the system in January of 2021 and what it looked like after. And in the before screen, it's this not very prominent checkbox that you have to hit if you wanna opt out of registering. Then around the time of this cliff, this drop off, that changed. Then users were given this very prominent yes or no button, not really in the spirit of an opt out design to encourage easy registration. And then it changed again a few weeks ago to a somewhat confusing toggle option where it's like actually kind of hard to tell whether you've got the yes or the no checked. Um, I posted these pictures of the different versions on Twitter and a lot of user interface experts, something I hadn't really thought existed until this story (laughs) popped up, chimed in to say this is a terrible design and it seems like it indeed Confuse some voters. We also asked DDS about this, and they said that they basically don't have any extra information to share. They monitor the website and update it to make it as efficient as possible. So no commitment to change anything. Now, the latest development is that several members of Georgia's congressional delegation have sent letters to Governor Kemp and the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland asking for an investigation into these changes. Meantime, if you are a voter and you're worried about whether your voter registration is up to date, you can go to the state's My Voter page, and that's mvp.sos.ga.gov. Go ahead, check and make sure your voter registration is accurate. The deadline to do that before the primary is Monday.
0: Speaking of voting, it's soon, and that means televised debate season is here. Raul, what can we expect?
2: So this is... One of my passions. Debates. <laughs> Y'all know I love debates. So, here are the upcoming debates. This Sunday on Channel 2, WSB, 7 p.m., the first debate between David Perdue and Brian Kemp. They have a second debate on Thursday in Savannah on WTOC television. That's going to be aired on Channel 46 here in Atlanta. That's, also, that's Thursday at 7 p.m. And then the Atlanta Press Club debate is next weekend. We'll talk about that more uh, down the road. I talked to the two campaigns. And, like, what are they going to focus on? A lot of the things we've talked about, David Perdue, you're going to hear again. You're going to hear that Brian Kemp allowed the elections to be stolen. You're going to hear about crime, immigration, Buckhead Cityhood, Rivian, State income tax. So you're going to see. You're going to hear a lot of those things. You may also hear some topics you haven't heard yet. So that's kind of what I'm going to be keeping an eye on, is, is what else David Perdue may be rolling out. Also kind of the same thing I'm hearing from the Kemp camp, that you know, they may have something new up their sleeve as well. But the Kemp people are going to focus on their record, reopening Georgia early. That's going to be definitely one of the things they want to talk about. They want to talk about the governor's record, but they've also made clear. They're going to punch back. Okay? If David Purdue swings, Kemp is gonna swing back. I'm telling you, there's there's gonna be <laughs> there's gonna be very little there's gonna be very little defense played in uh-huh. those debates. It is going these guys are absolutely going to be on offense.
1: Wow. All right.
2: Well, we'll look for that.
1: And one other thing to keep in mind headed into next week besides the debates, just a little public service announcement here. Monday is the last day to register to vote before the May 24th primary. So go ahead and get your applications in.
0: Sam Raul, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for your insights.
1: No problem. Anytime. Georgia Votes
0: 2022 is a production of WABE in Atlanta. I'm Susanna Capaluto. Come back next week for more Georgia politics.